This chapel message is brought to you by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. You know, things can just wear you down. All this COVID thing we've been going through for over two years and now so many people uh, getting hit um, with this, even here in the office and friends. Uh, we had it affect our Christmas. Both our son-in-laws uh, came down with it uh, the week before Christmas. One never got here. One got here four or five days after Christmas. All the other kids didn't get here. It's pretty um uh, Big deal for us because we only have the whole family here every two or three years or three or four years with Stacy and John overseas. And there's been a lot of other things that have been worrying and nagging me. Uh, some of you know and some of you don't. Jody came down with lymphedema, my wife, in her right arm. I'm sorry, her left arm. Uh, that's a complication of, of breast cancer surgery and radiation, but she had that 20 years ago. So we went through a big wig workup to make sure this hadn't returned. And we've been dealing with that since uh, October and uh, almost made us come home from the Viking cruise that we did in Germany with Gina Gay. So she's still in treatment and she's making progress and we're praising the Lord for that. Seems like everything else has gone wrong. Our refrigerator broke as soon as we got back, the garage door opener wouldn't work. You know how things come in rushes. So while they were coming in rushes around our house, I got Gene over looking at the garage door with me, and we both figured out we thought we needed a new garage door opener. So we ordered that, paid for it on Amazon. It arrived, started working on it, and realized what it really needed was some oil in the hinges. When I tried to return the uh, garage door opener to Amazon, they wouldn't take it back because we had opened the box. All we did was pull out the instructions. So that's still sitting in the garage. If anyone needs a garage door opener, I've got one that would be reasonably priced. Uh, the garbage disposal broke and I had to replace that. The sewer now is backed up. That happened yesterday. I spent half the day yesterday when I was going to prepare for this talk uh, working on the sewer system. It's our bathroom in the master bedroom and it's still not fixed. So I'm going back to that as soon as we finish. It just seemed one thing after another, and in the midst of all this was a real mess that I was dealing with as chair of the board at Kennett Hospital, which has been going on for weeks and still is not over. You can start worrying about COVID. My brother has it. His wife had it. He had pneumonia. He's slowly getting better. Um, and these type of things, whatever the issues are, money issues, relationship issues, illness issues, can take away what? Your contentment. And, and contentment is not a natural state for you and me. A discontentment, unhappiness, dissatisfaction are as likely to grow in our lives as weeds grow in my garden. Some of you know I'm Jody and I love to garden and uh, not vegetable garden, flower gardening. We have a flower garden out front and in a walled in yard and we've got rose bushes and I'm always planting and growing things. And But weeds just start popping up no matter what. Uh, and discontent, unhappiness, dissatisfaction are as likely to occur as weeds will grow in my garden. I don't sow weeds. They just pop up. In fact, I've got a flower box that's up in a window in the attic, and uh, it's 20 feet above ground, and I find weeds growing in it. Way up there, you think it would be protected and wouldn't get them, but uh, the wind carries them there. 
And what worries you may not be what worries me. Um, different things can drag us down and take away our discontentment. Uh, you know, at CMBA, uh, you know, testifying before Congress and being deposed by the Attorney General of California on physician-assisted suicide, being on a big national media thing, that didn't cause me discontentment. Uh, but these things have recently, and uh, I'll talk more about that. Precious things on earth must be cultivated. Contentment does not just happen. It's not just a natural stage. It's kind of like the roses I grow. I've got lots of uh, knockout roses, but I have to spray them. I have to prune them. I have to water them. I have to fertilize them. I have to train the climbing rose next to the front door uh, to go around the door. It takes a lot of work, uh, work to make them look good. And contentment is that way as well. It's one of the flowers of heaven. The Bible teaches that. It's one of the characteristics we should have as, as Christians. But if we're going to have it, we have to cultivate it. Philippians 4.11 says, Paul speaking, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, which, which implies he didn't have it at one time. And we all know Paul's background and what he did before he came to Christ. But even after that, it's easy to get discontented for all the things that he went through, from beatings to stonings to shipwrecks and uh, churches not uh, following what he had taught them and what God wanted them to do. He's now writing this, that verse we just read, from prison. Obviously, things aren't going well. So contentment is a process of discipline thought and action. And I want to talk about that. How do we cultivate contentment? If you've got your Bible with you, either in paper or electronic, I want to turn to Philippians 4, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse 6. I'm going to read from um, the message, which uh, you probably don't have. So uh, once you turn there, you may just want to listen. Let's start at verse 6, Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Verse 8, summing it all up, friends, I say to you, You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, that are noble, that are reputable, that are authentic, that are compelling, that are gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full of hunger, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Wow, what a testimony. But it's obvious that he struggled with this and now is giving us the, the plan to have contentment. 
And let's dig into that. I like that verse where it talks about creating harmony uh, of contentment, because when we're content, we do have that harmony. You know, I, I love Southern gospel quartet music. I love the harmony. And uh, it's a beautiful sound. And that's what God wants in our lives through the contentment that only he can bring. So how do we do this? First of all, we need to pour out, or, or to use the analogy I was giving you uh, in growing uh, plants, we need to root out uh, the weeds of fret or worry. Uh, worry wears you down. Uh, this last three weeks before we had a, uh, a board meeting at Kennedy uh, this past uh, Friday, uh, I found myself not sleeping. It, I, I was getting three or four or five hours of sleep a night. I wake up, start thinking about things, couldn't get back to sleep. I'm sure some of you've been there when there's big worries, big problems, things that seem difficult uh, to handle. And when we worry, what does it result in? It, it makes us doubt God's loving kindness. At least we act like we must trust him. It damages our testimony with other people when we're worrying. I, I know I was... Uh, not my usual self over Christmas with the grandkids here and our children. And I regretted that. It's just too much was going on in my mind. I was preoccupied with uh, worrying and uh, trying to figure out how to solve some, some major problems. Uh, we lose contentment. It alienates people. You really don't want to be around people that are discontented. Uh, it drains your peace. It drains your joy. It can drain your health. As Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs us down. And we know medically that anxiety and worry can bring on all kinds of physical problems. And let me tell you this, you can't prune worry. You know, when you prune, you, you, you hit the dead branches, the ones that don't look very good on the plant, and you chop them off and you cut back and you try to, to make them look better. But if you're dealing with weeds in your life, the weeds of, of uh, worry and stress and anxiety, you've got to pull them out by the roots, just like you do a weed. Uh, there's some ways that I've found helpful in doing that in my own life, and I had to get back to practicing these uh, more uh, faithfully in the last few weeks. First of all, accept the worst. Accept the worst. Often worry is because we imagine bad things that are going to happen or, or things are going to affect our lives or the lives we love. And we, if you deliberately accept the worst and imagine it and accept it, then you can move on from that worry. You can root it out. Um, I remember when I was in Kenya, one of our uh, middle-aged uh, couples, they were in their early 40s, she got pregnant. And uh, unexpectedly, they had uh, two boys, and I diagnosed that she had twins, which put her in a very high-risk category at age 44 in the middle of Kenya with not a neonatal intensive care unit and all the equipment and stuff that we needed to take care of premature babies to have a set of twins. Back in those days, we didn't send mothers home, and I was left to provide her care. And I remember some sleepless nights trying to, to deal with that and uh, worried about what could happen. And God had to help me just to root that out and accept, even if the worst hap David, happens, David, I'm here. I talked to them. They, they didn't want to go home and they really couldn't very easily. 
And by God's grace, those two little girls uh, are alive today and both married. And one of them's a missionary with her husband and uh, the other one lives in Australia with her husband. But I remember dealing with that and I had to root out my worry. Uh, I remember some of you heard the story that I've told and I won't get into detail, but uh, back in my days at World Medical Mission, we lost our engine in a plane in, in um, uh, Zambia and the plane was going to crash. And we had a, a little bit of time to think about that as we continue to lose altitude in the middle of nowhere over rocks and wood. And, and I didn't panic and no one else in the plane did because we were ready for the worst. We knew, I thought about the family and the kids and perhaps not growing, being there while they were growing up and, and Jody being by herself and all those issues. But I'd already made the commitment and accepted the worst before we ever got in that plane that if God wanted to take my life, he could. Romans 8.28 talks about that. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of of uh, love for God is worked into something good. God takes difficult situations and sometimes horrible situations and still works them into something good. The other thing you need to do is lay down your load. Some of you ladies there have been pregnant uh, and you can say amen to what I'm going to say next. If, if you guys imagine you're pregnant it's like carrying a bowling ball. Pick up a real heavy bowling ball and hold it in front of your abdomen and start walking around. That's the kind of weight you carry when you're pregnant. Uh, 15, 20 pounds of, uh, of weight uh, right there in your abdomen. And we, when we worry, often carry a heavier weight, uh, something that's very difficult to bear. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So then if we get this rooted out, then what's the next step? The next step is to fill up fill up. We poured out or dug out, and now we're going to fill up. And the best way to do that is to keep weeds from growing in the garden is to block them out. Every spring, when things start getting warm, I go over, usually borrow Gene's truck, go over and get two or three big loads of mulch. And I go through all the garden and start putting stuff on to keep the weeds from growing, to block them out so they can't grow. And that's what we need to do when we deal with worry, anxiety, and start losing our contentment. Unless your mind is filled with God's promises and Christ's presence, worry will get root. I'm going to say that again. Unless your mind is filled with God's promises and Christ's presence, worry will get root. Verse 8 talks about that in the scripture we read. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. And before you fill up, you must be empty. Sometimes I... Uh, Jody uh, kind of taught me some of this. She doesn't like watching the evening news. She says it, it fills her minds with all the problems of the world and she loses her contentment. 
I, uh, I diet more off the news than I used to. I had to keep up with it very carefully when I was at CMDA. I still read, uh, look at the internet, read the headlines, but I don't dig into a lot of stories because before long, you can put so much stuff in your mind. There's more than enough to worry about in this world uh, that you have trouble uh, having the contentment and the joy that God has you. So what do you put in your mind and how much time do you spend it? There may be other issues that you're just thinking too much about and, and uh, you know, going over and over in the mind. And you've got to empty that out before you can fill up. And how do you fill up? First of all, you fill up with God's promises. Things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. The Bible is full of promises that we can claim uh, and that God shows his great love for us. And then remember God's provisions, Psalm 512. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. Nehemiah 1.7, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. You may need to take some of these verses, memorize them, uh, put them in the fly leaf of your Bible, put them on a card that you carry in your pocket and remind yourself of God's provisions and his goodness and his presence. Second Kings 25:30. Scripture you probably uh, wouldn't think of, but uh, came and popped out of the scripture when I was having my devotions one day. It's over in Second Kings 25:30. Day by day, the king gave Jehoshaphat a regular allowance as long as he lived. Jehoshaphat was king when the Babylon captivity happened. He was kept in captivity in prison for 37 years. And then the ruler of Babylon actually let him out out of 37 years of captivity. And he wasn't sent back to Israel. He was let live in the palace with provisions daily for months and years on end till he finally died. And that just reminded me that that's what God is. Sometimes we want a big answer. We want this problem solved or just take care of this interpersonal issue I have or this problem that I'm dealing with. And God is saying, I'll give you provisions for today. I don't have to give you provisions forever. I'm going to take care of you with what you're dealing with today. He'll give us a, a gracious portion, a perpetual portion, not more than we need. No great store of strength that we may be able to draw on for the, the rest of dealing with that issue. But he will give us issues for the day. I was thinking about that yesterday as I was preparing this. Uh, over lunch, Stacy turned to me and said, there's riots in Abishai where they, they live in Chad. They head back in about two weeks between the Arabs and, and a tribal group and a lot of uh, even violence over land and cattle and all the issues and grass that happen in Africa in a tribal society. And the Arabs live in the north, and but a lot of them live in that area as well because they're on the border and then the tribal people and it's not a safe place to go back. And and uh, and Stacy said to me, God will give us grace for each day, for each day while when we head back. And then after you root out and pour out and and then fill up, then you need to spill over, spill over your prayers. We thrust ourselves before God's throne in prayer, and we often tempt to do for ourselves what God has already promised to do. Uh, but it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will presume to do God's job if you're not careful. I've got to handle this. I've got to figure it out. I was doing that with this situation at Kennet. 
I, I had to come up with the, uh, you know, the solution to this. I would rehearse it in my mind in the middle of the night, what I would say to this person or that person and all the rest of it. And finally, God just kind of grabbed a hold of me and said, in prayer, commit this to me and I'll take care of what needs to happen. And I did. And he did. We had that board meeting and it went much better than I thought it was with some of the issues that we're dealing with. The trouble is we often officially or unofficially reject him and resort to human wisdom. And that's what I was doing. I was thinking, if I just think this through and do the right things, I'm going to solve these problems. And God said, put it in my hands. I'll give you the wisdom you need when the time comes. And then not only through your prayers do you spill over, but with your praise. It's hard to worry when you're praising the Lord for his goodness, for his grace, for his love, for all those wonderful gifts that he gives us. Philippians 4.4, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Wow. I need to sometimes, uh, maybe that's a tattoo we all need to get. Uh, I'm not much into tattoos, but uh, we need to tattoo that in our brain anyway. I love this quote from Harry Arnsides, who was a great evangelist in years past. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and satisfaction. And then in his presence, his counsel, his power, Stay in communion with him daily uh, in every situation. And uh, you can whisper a prayer that's very short and uh, just step into the presence of God. And then we know the future. We can rest in that. We know the story ends well for our lives. Heaven's our home. We're heading there and all the glories there will be something that we experience I, I try to remind myself, your huge burden isn't even a grain of sand to God. That's how oysters are. You know what causes beautiful pearls? A grain of sand or a little organism gets inside that oyster, and the oyster begins to coat it with a stuff called necra. And this uh, is iridescent. It goes down little layers, little plates of it, and it grows and grows and takes that irritation and turns it into something beautiful, something that people want to wear around their neck uh, because uh, it's, it's so gorgeous. And it all started with what? An irritation. And finally, repeat or practice. Put into practice what you've learned from me, Paul tells us in Philippians 4.9. And uh, I remember back when I was uh, in grade school learning the multiplication tables. That's back in the days that didn't have computers and games to learn. And we'd had flashcards and the, the, the teacher would hold up a flashcard. One times seven is what? And, you know, we'd call it out or she'd do it with us individually. And we were learning the multiplication tables. And it, it took hard work to master it and lots of practice. And uh, that's true for us with contentment. We're not going to always be perfect. We're going to have to come back to the basics at times. And as we do, uh, God will give us the contentment that he wants in our life as we do these things, as we pour out, as we fill up, as we spill over, and as we repeat. So what are some other things you can do as I, as I close? Let me mention a few. Sometimes you need to share with others. A burden shared is often half the burden. 
And maybe they'll have some wise counsel for you. They definitely can pray for you if you ask them to. Uh, this de- situation I was dealing with last week, I, I talked to Bert and said, Bert, I, got, I can't give you details, but I got something coming up that uh, could really be a mess. Can you, can you pray for me? I had others praying for me, and uh, God was worked in, in a marvelous way, and prayer is powerful, and sometimes we need others to pray when we don't really know how to pray about the situation. Spend time in praise, oral praise. Praise God for what he's done with other people. And act like you believe what God has said till you do. I'll say that again. Act like you believe it till God does it. Um, I've uh, been, uh, in this last year, one of the things God's impressed on me in in a similar sphere is love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. With uh, the medical problems Jody's had, I've been doing more and more of the housework. I've been doing the dishes. I've been cleaning the house. I've been doing all sorts of things that in the days when I was busy working full-time, I didn't do as much. And God just reminded me, David, love is an action, much more than a feeling. And it's true in this area as well. Uh, Contentment comes because you believe God can give it, and he wants to give it. And as you act like you believe it, God does it. Warren Whitsby, I'm going to close with a quote from him. Real commitment must come from within. You and I cannot change or control the world around us. And that's definitely true as we deal with COVID. But with God's help, we can change and control the world within us. Real contentment must come from within. You and I cannot change or control the world around us, but with God's help, we can change and control the world within us. My prayer for you is contentment in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, and I have no idea of all the issues you're facing. It's prayer for myself, and God's brought this sermon to mind because I've been struggling in this area, and he needed to remind me of these things. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, The mark of you in our lives is contentment, no matter what the situation. Lord, give us the peace that passes understanding. May we sense your presence. May we claim your promises. May we root out the the worry and the anxiety. May we fill up with the good things that you've promised to us. And Lord, help us to continue to do that as we face challenges in our life. And we'll give you praise for what you're going to do in your son's name. Amen.